welcome back to episode 23 of the Archery Geek Outdoors podcast. Yeah, I know it's been, what, nearly three weeks since I recorded the last one. I feel like I've been neglecting it a bit, but things have just felt a little bit tough in the last couple of weeks or so. And it's been kind of hard to find the motivation to do anything, really. I'll get more into that later in the podcast, but here we are, so let's get on with it, shall we? First things first, I have some awesome news regarding the Kuma. Uh, I spoke to Jeremy at the end of last week, and the final bits needed for reassembly have arrived with him from Bear. So he was hoping that within the next three or four days, strings would be made, bow would be all reassembled and be ready to be shipped back to me. So I'm hoping to hear in the next couple of three days what the final bill's going to be. I've got a feeling that's going to be painful. Yeah, I know, my own fault, jackass for dry firing me bow. But I'll wait and see what the final bill's going to be and when it'll be shipped back to me. Now, I've got to say a massive thank you to the guys at the Archery Shack for constantly chasing up bear for me, uh, sorting out the the parts needed for the reassembly. I mean, bear did seem to be dragging their feet horrendously. So I say I can't thank Jeremy and the guys enough for their constant chasing of bear and for getting the bow sorted for me. Uh, When it comes back, I've asked them to send a Radical Archery Design Superjuice 38 316 inch peep with it and a Bomar Archery nose button. I thought about these nose buttons before purely because I had noticed when I was shooting it last If I didn't concentrate, I'd be getting more nose pressure on the string where I bring it into the tip of my nose. I'd be, the the pressure on the string would be inconsistent. And with the let off on a compound, apparently this inconsistency in pressure can have a big impact on, oh, here we go, doubling my words, can have a major effect on the impact point of your arrow. You know, when when I look through the forums on the Bomar nose button, a lot of people were, oh, no, you know, just use an ordinary nose button, use a kisser button. Think with a kisser button and a, using some people that use kisser buttons like nose buttons is, you've got, oh, God, how do I put this? Jesus, here we go, stuttering for words already. <laughs> uh it's the inconsistency of pressure. The thing with the Bomar nose button is it's got very small, very sharp spikes on it. So if you put too much pressure on it, it's going to bloody hurt. And this is why I'm going to try it out to give me consistency of pressure on of my nose against the string on every single shot. And incidentally, at the off-centre archers, one of their friends, Doug, uses one. And I asked him how he got on with it. And he said, really, really good. It's made a big difference to his shooting. So for the 15 bucks or so it's going to cost me, I thought, you know what? Let's give it a whiz. 
So, like I say, that'll be coming back with the bow and the Rad Superduce 38 316-inch peep to try on it. Now, the other thing I may have to experiment with when it comes back is sights. As you'll know if you've listened to previous episodes, I shoot the Accel AccuClick AccuTouch Carbon Pro. It's a single pin sight, and for 3D, it's fantastic. And I think for hunting, it could be really good as well. If you've got time to know your distances, if you've pre-ranged, or if you say shooting over a feeder, you know, you know, you each shot fairly close and within two to three yards. What I think we're going to be doing in Texas is spot and stalk. Uh, now, Lance has been fortunate enough to have been out on a couple of days hunting up in Washington State already. It's deer season there. And he was using a single pin sight. And he said with spot and stalking, he, he didn't feel confident enough with it once the animals moved. He was looking at getting the 5 or 7 pin Axel scope to go with the AccuTouch. I think he said up in Washington that's about 239 bucks. You know, which that's not cheap just for a scope for the site. But he ended up popping into his local Cabela's and picked up a seven pin micro adjustable site for just a hundred bucks. Uh, he's going to try it out. I think it's this Friday. He's got another day out spotting stalking deer uh, up in Washington. So I'll wait and see how he gets on with that. Uh, I mean, I had initially been thought, thinking about maybe the three or five pin scope for the Axel or even the Easy V sights. Apparently, the Easy V is brilliant for combating target panic. You know, having never drawn up on a live animal before, I don't know how I'll react if I get a shot and I'm drawing up on my first animal. Um, on my first pig, am I going to get target panic? You know, the dreaded buck fever. So I'm thinking, do I try an easy V? Uh, for those of you who don't know what the easy V is, you can check out Ranch Fairy's site or Average Jack Archer's YouTube channel. Both use it, and apparently once you're used to not using the pin, I mean, it'll take a lot of practice over here before I get over there on 3Ds, but it makes shots an awful lot easier when you're used to it. But like I say, I'll see how Lance gets on with this 7-pin this weekend. Uh, find out how comfortable he finds it and then I say maybe look at a three or five pin scope for the Axel or maybe even the Easy V but that's all to come anyway I'll let you know how he gets on and what he finds folks right next up I've got to say a couple of thank yous first one is to a Twitter user Foxflame in I believe it's North Arkansas I meant to say this on the last episode, and appallingly, it completely slipped my mind. Uh, I'd been, I think it was when I posted one of the episode links up on Twitter, 
Fox Flame said, wow, you're that far already. I'm only on episode 10. I better catch up. So, Fox Flame, thank you very much indeed for taking the time to listen to the podcast. It is genuinely appreciated. Now, next up, I have to say an absolutely massive thank you to Stephanie at Shooting Skulls. I, Stephanie had been putting up on social media that she was experimenting with some arrow wraps and I'd mentioned in a couple of in comment on the post, you know, if you do any that fit the 250 spine Victory RIP TKO in three and a half inch long at an appropriate weight, let me know and I'll order some. And I'd heard nothing back and I think it was, was it last Monday or Tuesday? Got home and there's one of the shooting skull envelopes on, sat on the side waiting for me. And I'm thinking, all right then, what's this? Opened it up and there are some of these gorgeous arrow wraps. Plain white with the shooting skulls logo on. And oh, they look gorgeous. So jumped on Instagram, sent, her, sent Stephanie a message saying, right, I've got no invoice for these. Let me know how much I owe you and I'll sort payment out. And she said, well, I'm still not sure whether I'm going to go big into the arrow wraps. So try them out for me. Let me know what you think. And these arrow wraps are seriously FOC friendly. Uh, I took one off the back in, weighed it on my grain scales, just 3.8 grains for this wrap you know so i'm so pleased at that so as soon as i've got the kuma back got the arrow shaft bought i'll make them up and let you know what i think uh if you want to know what these wraps look like jump on the archery geek outdoors instagram page and there's a photograph of them on there complete with one on the grain scale showing the weight of it uh, you can find shooting skulls. Now, Stephanie did say she started an eBay store for folks that don't like using Etsy. But at the moment, the easiest way to find her is www.shootingskulls.etsy.com. Or, of course, you can find her on Twitter, uh, Instagram and Facebook. Just look for shooting skulls. Awesome, awesome stuff Stephanie does. And the the value for money is exceptional. Incredibly high quality stuff for, I don't want to say bargain basement prices, because that seems to, I don't want it to diminish, the, sound like it's diminishing the quality of what she does. The quality of what she produces is incredible. All I can say is exceptional value. You know, the prices are so, so competitive. So go and check out Shooting Schools, folks. Now, as I said at the very start of this episode, last few weeks, I've seen, they felt really, really tough. And in all honesty, I have come so close to falling off the wagon with my health and fitness. I mean, it's been tough not having the bear here to shoot, I've, I've said it repeatedly before, as fantastic a little bow as the Stinger X is. It, but I 
this thing is just yeah I'm, I'm not going down that path again so i'd done next to no shooting and i was feeling guilty about that and you know i've mentioned before my weight loss plateauing so i decided i need to step needed to step up what i was doing with the exercise a bit and my youngest daughter had two of these reebok aerobic dumbbells you know the foam covered ones uh only four kilograms each which is a total of about what 18 and a half 19 pounds so i decided to add these into my little workout that i do uh when i was doing the the heel raises you know going up onto tiptoes i'd just got one in each hand uh holding them in my hands while i was squatting as well then for press-ups put them on the floor and instead of put grip the hand section of the dumbbell and this gave me an extra couple of inches of movement down through the motion of the press-up i tell you what guys you wouldn't believe the difference an extra couple of inches of movement can make ladies i'll believe you every single time now <laughs> But by the time I'd got to the end of my workout, I was sweating like Rudy Giuliani in an election room courthouse hearing. <laughs> anyway, by the follow, I mean, when, when I finished the workout, my arms and legs were trembling like bilio. I, I remember Anthony saying to me, if you walk to get an idea of your weight loss stick some weight in a backpack carry some weight with you and you'll appreciate it then i wouldn't have thought this eight kilos and an extra couple of inches of movement on the press-ups would have made such a massive difference but for the week after, my elbows and shoulders were... Oh, it felt like I'd been used like a punching bag. And it got me feeling guilty and thinking, you know, what what's going on? Is this going to affect things? And, you know, and you start overplaying things in your own mind. And I'm thinking, well, I'm not exercising. And it's a stupid negative way to look at things. But I started letting the eating go as well. I'd start having biscuits and I was snacking between meals. Now, prior to this, if I fancied a snack between meals, it'd either be a satsuma or a small banana. You know, yeah, I was eating, but I was eating the good stuff and the biscuits were creeping in again. And I had a couple of cakes as well. By the time I reached week two, my head really wasn't in a good place. I know it sounds like a lame-ass excuse, but I don't think this lockdown helped. At the moment, it, with this lockdown, first lockdown, I was furloughed, so we couldn't do any fun stuff, but I wasn't getting the shit stuff to do like work. This one, and don't get me wrong, I'm really glad and really grateful to be working. There are so many folks that would love to be working that can't. But it was all the bad stuff you could do none of the good stuff and i think that 
that was taking its toll a little. Like I say, maybe a lame ass excuse, but that's what it felt like. So come week two, you know that that gives you when you're coming off the wagon, it knocks your self esteem. And I think that started a little bit of a downward spiral of me thinking, you know, when you think, oh, God, is this worth it? You know, I've put all this hard work in. Things are going wrong now. Do I just walk away and say, you know what? I can't do it. And I'm thinking, that's the easy way out, that is. It's a lame excuse. You know, and... Yesterday afternoon, got back from work, had a coffee, and I sat there and I gave myself a really, really hard kicking. So, as of yesterday, I started the workouts again, still using those 8 kilogram total weight of dumbbells. Got it done yesterday, got it done today, and I'm feeling so much better for it. Uh, head seems to be getting back to where it needs to be. Uh, right, where am I? I mean, the, the other thing I thought, I've got to start using my fitness pal again. I said before I was going to use it, and it's another thing. Kept putting off thinking, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Oh, I'll do it tomorrow. And you know what I say? Tomorrow never comes. You get to tomorrow. Tomorrow's today. And it's, you know, time slips by so quickly. Uh, I think I mentioned before, I'm going to have to get the eldest daughter to show me how to do this. She's she's quite good with this kind of stuff. It was easy when you eat prepackaged food because all you do is scan the barcode on it. It comes up on there, tells you what your calories are. I'm going to have to get the, the eldest daughter to actually run me through it, taking thing, adding things on where you're cooking from scratch and working your portion sizes and whatever. And the other thing I'm thinking of doing is making the my 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 fitness pal profile public so that people can track my progress. And I'm thinking, if I do this, is it going to make it easier to stick to stuff? Because what I'm doing is then out there in the public domain. You know, people can access my profile. They can see what exercise I've done, how many calories I've burned. They can see what I'm eating, how many calories I've consumed. Yeah, because I've got to admit, doing this, being the only person in the house doing this, it does get tough at times. And, it, you know, it, it really is easy to lose that discipline. And as I've said a million times before, myself discipline is absolutely fucking shocking i mean this is why one of the reasons i have so much respect for good old tex grebner if i remember rightly he he started off weighing 325 pounds and he's done this on his own you know it takes so much determination self-discipline and willpower to do this and he's gone from £325 to being a train-to-hunt national champion in the trad class. You know, he's he's got that no-quit attitude. Although, when I'd spoken to him before via Instagram, he had said, don't compare yourself to other people. Don't think it's a race. Take it as slow as you want. 
and one step at a time, you know, and learn to embrace the suck. Of course, if you don't embrace the suck, you'll never do it. And this took me back to a leadership podcast by a guy named Craig Rochelle. Craig actually runs a life church in America, but I was put on to his leadership podcast by, I think it was Brandon Adams on one of his Instagram posts, and I had a look at this. And I watched one of his videos, and it was all about small steps. And I've got to remember that enough small steps in the right direction. You know, if you want to go forward, enough of these little steps not overreaching, and you're suddenly an awful long way forward. And even if you have backward steps... You, as long as you take more forward steps than backward steps, you're getting closer and closer to your goal. And this was the other thing I'd done. I think I'd kind of lost sight of my goal. And I'm going to have to sit down and rewrite a set of achievable goals. You know, just something to aim at. Without something to aim at, it, it, it's very, very easy to become, you know, lose direction and think, yeah, I'm doing this, but what am I hoping to achieve by it? Uh, like I say, the, the eating was fairly easy to do until I had, the, I had this little wobble. The exercise was always harder, and the shooting was not an impossible without the coma. So when that's back, fingers crossed, I'll, I'll be, it'll make everything else kind of slot back into place. You know, and there are all these little tools out there, things people have suggested. Like I said, Anthony suggested weight in the backpack. And the other one that I started, again, I started this yesterday, was more effective time management. Uh, I don't know if you remember from an earlier episode, Chelsea from the from Say Yes to Yoga had actually said she she actually writes herself a timetable and follows it. And this was something I'd said I was going to do. And again, me being me, muddle-headed, got totally distracted and never started it. So what I did yesterday was... I actually wrote one, well, I did it some Sunday night, thought, right, you know, I've got to get arse into gear. So just a very simple breakdown. And I think the biggest one was getting to bed at a reasonable time. I find it so easy to throw YouTube on the TV. And before you know it, it's half one, two o'clock in the morning when I'm going to bed which means I'm not getting up at a reasonable time. You know, I, I like to go out to work at quarter to eight, and it'd be quarter past, twenty past seven, I was getting up. Everything would be a mad rush, throw my breakfast down, have a quick coffee, wash, dress, out the door. And it's n for me, that's not a good way to start the day. It seems I then go into the day with a slightly chaotic brain, which makes things harder at work, which leads to me feeling more tired when I'm coming home, not feeling productive, and then it being harder. So I've got to say a 
big thank you to Chelsea for that suggestion of the little timetable. And while we're talking about Chelsea, guys, her Facebook page, Say Yes to Yoga, has gone up to 640 likes. That's only 52 away from 700. So if any of you listening could do me a massive favour, if you use Facebook, go on to the Say Yes to Yoga page and give it a like, please. Some of the stuff she does on there is incredible. And, I mean, there's, what did she describe it as? About 75% yoga, 25% animals, and 5% random stuff. But head over there, guys, and please give Chelsea a like. You know what? It looks like this podcast is going to be an awful lot shorter than any of the others, apart from the introduction. Uh, I'm almost at the end of my notes. Wow. This longer way, and I've had so little to say. I'd never make a politician, would I? Now, the last thing I've got in my notes is broadheads and broadhead sharpening. As you'll know from previous episodes, when I talked about it, starting to go down the rabbit hole of arrows I want to shoot in Texas... One of the guys in the British International Bow Hunters, Richard, had his let me try uh, the 175 grain vantage point archery, three blade solid heads. I'd said before, I'd, yeah, I think I'd love to shoot a two blade single bevel, but at the moment, my sharpening skills are nowhere near good enough. And what appealed to me about the three blades is you can just put them onto a flat stone and the bevel's already set for you. So much easier to sharpen, you know, for somebody with my almost non-existent sharpening skills. And these VPAs, they come with what I'd call, I suppose you'd call it a working edge. Right, you know, the, the edges aren't shaving sharp. They're not clean cut through paper sharp and I thought about right do I get diamond stones wet stones leather strop you know go through all the processes and a half decent wet stone I think you can pick one up for about 25 30 quid when I was looking you know that that's that's a two-sided one but obviously you need multiple grits you know so you can vet and good quality ones you know things like Arkansas stones you can spend hundreds and then watching the good old ranch fairy again. I know I keep coming back to him, but he breaks things down into such simple little steps. You know, they're so easy for even an old fart like me to follow. Uh, he did a video with the hunting public where they were actually sharpening broadheads using sandpaper. And I'd looked up the VPA three blades on YouTube, and there were a couple of other guys sharpening them with sandpaper as well. And I thought, you know what? I'll give this a go then. So toddled off down to my local hardware store, and unfortunately, the finest grip they'd got down there was six hundred. So I'm thinking, right, that's not fine enough. So quick jump on eBay, and I found a forty-two pack of sandpaper did various different grades from 250 grit you know which you can use if you dink your blades right through to 3000 
for just over four quid, which being a notorious tight arse, that absolutely suited me down to the ground. They're not full-size sheets. They're standard full-length, but the width. Each sheet is actually a third of a sheet. You know, they're designed to fit a sanding block. So, in effect, that's what? Four, 14 full sheets, but each sheet, I should be, I reckon I can get the three broadheads out of one a single piece of each grit as I work up through it. So they arrived today. So all I'm going to do is lay them on a flat surface. Uh, I had thought about using the desk that my podcast setup's on, but I've got a soft covering on that to reduce uh, noise bounce. So I don't want to risk doing it on there because if I'm not getting it dead flat, it's going you know it can affect the angle of the broadheads out and I don't want to risk uh, losing the angle of the bevel as I'm learning to do this so I should just put them on a flat piece of piece of flat wood on the kitchen counter I think I'll start off at a 400 grit work my way through right up to the 3000 then I was just going to order a little bit of leather off eBay or Amazon, well, no, Amazon, my God, no, I try and avoid Amazon as much as I can. Although I think I, I, I may end up using a little bit more than I'd like. Uh, to see if I can get some, le- some leather on eBay to make a strop. However, uh, I, you know, when you're off down the YouTube rabbit hole, things come up in your suggested feed. I'd seen the ranch fairy using these stay sharp guides for doing two blade broadheads. I hadn't really looked into them because sometimes you can have to fettle around with the broadhead a little bit in there to get the full contact. But I knew they did a range of reasonably unexpected, inexpensive guides for you to sharpen your two-blade, either double-bevel or single-bevel broadheads in to make it easier for those of us that aren't blessed with being good at freehand sharpening. I, yeah, I know it comes with practice, and you've got to be prepared to, according to Troy Fowler, wreck a few broadheads. But I really don't want to be wasting money wrecking them, trying to sharpen them. You know, if I've got to wreck them... I'd rather it was having a pasta on a Texas hog and burying them into the dirt. But that's another thing about using these solid one-piece machine broadheads. They're a lot more resistant to damage. Anyway, they'd been talking about these Stay Sharp guides. So I I knew the name. And I was off down the YouTube rabbit hole of various things. And one of the suggested videos came up something called the 344 sharpener. And I'm thinking, all right then, what's this? And it was sharpening the curved three-blade cutthroat broadheads. And I'd always seen everything cards read and seen. Said with these curved blades, you needed to freehand sharpen them. Of course, obviously, a flat edge, you know, a flat surface, you're not going to get contact on it all. So 
I thought, ooh, sharpening cutthroats. Right, let's have a look at this. And the channel was called The Innovative Outdoorsman. You can find it on YouTube. And I think this is actually the guy behind Stay Sharp, his channel. And this 344 sharpener is actually designed to give, I don't know whether you'd call it a steeper or a shallower bevel on the broadheads. Right, with the three blades, they come at a 60-degree angle. And I knew from looking at other things, uh, kitchen knives, you know, that you want for really fine cuts are generally around a 32 to 34 degree included angle which gives a very very sharp edge but not particularly hard wearing general purpose knives such as bushcraft knives uh, i think things like the woodlaw certainly my k-bar they tend to have a i think it's a 42 to a 45 degree included angle which is what, 21 to 22 and a half degrees on either side which is it doesn't get quite as sharp as a kitchen knife but it retains an edge longer and apparently these three blades they have a 60 degree included angle which is 30 degrees on each side obviously the 60 degrees from the, the the angle of the blade so but like i said they're much easier to sharpen but this 344 sharpener it's a it's only a prototype he's got at the moment but i'm really really inclined to get one when they come out now the 60 degree included angle on the three blades yes you can get it hair popping paper slicing sharp but it's never going to be quite as sharp as a 44 degree included angle and this 344 sharpener it has a curved bed and it will come with a broadhead holder to clip over the top of your the, the blade that's facing up so you're less likely to slice yourself and this curved base use it exactly the same as you would a flat piece of timber it takes standard sheets of sandpaper but it will reprofile the edges to a 44 degree included angle which is like i said it's what you, your general bushcraft knives come to I me mean, no uh, i've got a kershaw half ton little kershaw half ton that's around the 44 45 degree included angle and when that came I actually took one of my daughter's hairs, ran the knife blade down it, and it it split the hair in half. So when I'm really, really interested in this, if it's out in time, to change the angle on these broadheads and see what difference it makes. Like I say, with the kuma almost ready to come back, I can get my shafts and i am so looking forward to starting the arrow building process oh that was the other thing <laughs> see i didn't look at my notes and nearly missed it apparently you don't have to use leather for a strop what the guy on the innovative outdoorsman channel did like i say as far as i know he's a guy behind stay sharp 
instead of leather, he cuts a piece of cardboard out of a cereal box, puts the printed face down, uses the inside, rubs his stropping compound on that, and strops on a piece of cereal box cardboard. Cheapskates of the world unite. We don't have to go out and buy leather. I mean, it's so much easier to find a bit of cereal box cardboard. So this one I shall try. Like I say, when, when the Kuma's back, uh, I've heard, I don't think Jeremy was able to get the singles of the 250 Spine RIP TKO shafts. You know, nobody in this country can get them. So I think it'll be order a dozen from Lale, and I am really looking forward to starting working on my arrow build and arrow tuning. I, I was talking to Simon Thomas the other night. I know I keep mentioning Simon, but Simon has been a fantastic source of support. Although I said it's tough doing it on your own, Simon has been there, and it, it was Simon that put me onto the the whole thing of sweet potatoes, and he shared some fantastic recipe ideas. You know, I can't thank Simon enough. But Simon said one of his favourite things about archery is building, testing, and tuning arrows. And to be honest, with the amount amount of work Lance has been doing on arrow building and tuning and experimentation you know it's what about 10 months now in total Lance has been shooting archery and I bet he's done more work in those 10 months than a lot of folks will do in 5 or 6 years just the sheer amount of time, effort and money he's put in experimenting with different diameters of arrows, uh, different spines, different lengths, insert weights, point weights. You know, by the time we get to... He keeps saying to me, oh, don't forget, I'm still a newbie. I reckon by the time we get to Texas, Lance will definitely be the expert. But it will be so nice to start being able to have the conversations with him, saying, right, I've tried this. This is what I'm getting. What do you think from the work you've done? You know, as it is, everything seems to be a one-way street at the moment. That Lance is putting in all this effort, telling me what's working, what's not, you know, how he's getting on with things, and I can't reciprocate it. And it is so incredibly frustrating. But I went, when Jeremy said that the coon was almost ready to come back, I was whooping round the room like a man possessed. And I cannot wait to get my hands on it again. So, like I say, fingers crossed, it's not going to be long now before it's with me. And I can start working on my arrow builds. I'm not sure whether to build a paper tuner out of PVC tuning or just use the average jack archery method where he gets a big cardboard box, cuts a hole in it, and tapes some paper to it. You know, I, I know I'm a notorious cheapskate, and having just said about using cardboard instead of leather for stropping, that, you know, that would seem the way for me to go. But 
I really do think I would like to build myself just there's, there's enough tutorials on YouTube you know just search paper tuner on YouTube and you can find all these tutorials on building one uh, I was talking to Alex George down at Hybrid Archery the other day and I mentioned to him it would be nice in the new year to be able to get down there COVID permitting and do some paper tuning and broadhead tuning with him and he said rich you're more than welcome to come down whenever you want so i've got to say a huge thank you to alex for that i tell you what folks the love and support that's going on at the moment actually completely off the archery topic i saw one of the, the most incredible outpourings of love and support yesterday I'm a member of a Facebook group called Giving Up The Game. And I think I've mentioned it before about uh, commercial posters on there, donating raffle prizes. There was a guy up north uh, in poor health in receipt of benefits. And somebody had reported him as working as a roofer. You know, the guy guy can't move properly so it sounds like it's just been some spiteful ass got it in for him and the dwp had stopped his payments he got very little food in. we've got christmas and new year coming up you know everything's working so slowly with this pandemic and he was in a right state and the number of people that posted on there offering to take him venison pheasant partridge anything he needed up this is where social networking comes into its own social networks can be such a horrendously toxic and negative place at times but this huge outpouring of support for this guy it, it kind of restores your faith in humankind and to me this is what social networking is about it's about helping sharing and supporting and like i say i'm i'm hoping that's what this podcast can do as well as being an audio diary for me it'll help my experiences what works for me what doesn't work for me what goes wrong what goes right will help other people and other people can help me like i say that the, the support i've received from rob jones over at off the arrow shelf anthony and stephanie at the off center archers all the guys in you know in the bib and lance you know it's been incredible and i can't thank you guys enough and i really do hope you continue to follow me on this misbegotten adventure i'm on anyway uh i think that's about it i'm bound to have forgotten something i'm hoping not to leave it as long before the next episode weight wise i haven't even dead step on the scales i'm getting my head back in the right place i'm going to do some more work uh you know 
keep plodding at it before I get on the scales because getting my head in the right place, the last thing I want to do is step on the scales, find out I've put weight on through this little wobble I've had and set myself back again. So it's just going to be head down and crack on. Guys, please, I keep saying guys, I should say folks, I'm not, you know, I'm not meaning to preclude anybody. Folks, listeners, you know, please feel free to reach out to me. You know the routine. The email address is archerygeekoutdoors at gmail.com. Twitter at A underscore G underscore outdoors. Or you can find me on Instagram, archerygeekoutdoors. Folks, keep sharing the love. Keep supporting each other. Remember, shoot straight, stay safe. Thank you so much for joining me and speak to you all next time. Good night. <laughs>